You want your business to succeed. Technology can get you there. Let's throw open the IT closet door and explore how technology is impacting your goals. Join us on Business Plus Tech Equals Success with your host, CEO of Sabino Comtech and industry unicorn, Nancy Sabino. Thank you so much for joining me again on a, another episode of Business Plus Tech Equals Success. And today I have a special treat because every good business should have, what is it, a lawyer, a insurance agent, a realtor agent, and an IT person on their side. And so today we've got an insurance agent, an insurance expert joining us to talk about cybersecurity insurance and the need for that. So before we dive in, I'm so happy to introduce you guys to my good friend, Travis Middleton. Travis, if you will tell us about yourself and your firm. Certainly, Nancy. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm Travis Middleton. I've been doing this for about 42 or 43 years. Um, we opened up our property casualty office along with our employee benefits office uh, not too long ago. And we've got some very good people staffing here. And uh, one of the pieces that uh, I've been very interested in is the cybersecurity portion of it. Uh, it was new to me back uh, six or eight months ago when we first started our agency back up. Uh, we have been working with other agents to uh, implement cybersecurity pieces. And so the conversation today that you asked me to, to bring in, Nancy, really helped me out because it uh, opened up from your questions several different aspects that uh, I got to go back and research and update. So I do appreciate so, the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners today. Yay, I'm so excited to hear that because I always feel like uh, whenever as a community we can help each other learn, that's a benefit to so many more people out there. So I'm glad that these questions helped on that regard. And Travis is, his firm is Trademark Insurance, uh, for those of you that want to look him up really quick. Um, but I will provide all his contact info for you guys anyway, especially because I'm sure after this conversation, y'all are going to want to call him up. So um, I like to um, gonna start off with just um, insurance, saying basically that insurance is always created when there's something of value that could be lost. And life would not be the same without that something that is very valuable. So... I know that nowadays when it comes to business, we no longer have the paper files that we used to um, and that were protected in the sense by a filing cabinet with lock and key and that kind of thing. So the what we value when it comes to data is so much broader now and we need coverage that fits to that potential loss. I mean, we have a saying in the industry that data is king and and I should say queen too because... You know, yeah. I definitely feel that way. Um, it's They're equally as important, right? Um, so that's something that for me was something that I needed to bring to all of the listeners was, hey, this, if your company has any kind of data that needs protection, then guess what? That other protection or that other aspect of protection should be an insurance policy, just like you protect your home, your vehicle, your life, I mean, your belongings, all of that stuff. So it's 
necessary nowadays. So cybersecurity, especially amongst COVID, what can you tell us about that? Like what has changed or has it been changed at all, especially with what we've faced with COVID? Well, we're seeing some enhanced risk. And before I get into that, I might back up just a second because you were talking about that lock and key piece. And the lock and key piece to me would be more so would be Sabino Tech because they're going to, they're going to bring in the necessary tools that, you know, as we'll discuss here uh, moving forward, how the cybersecurity insurance actually blends in with the tech portion of it, the, the IT portion. So from, from COVID-19, what we've really seen is a, just a very heightened um, need for full comprehensive coverage because of the number of attacks that have escalated uh, during during this period. And if give me just a second, let me refer back over some notes. <clears throat> In the first quarter of this year, there were 455 million more attacks. That's a 40% increase, 44% increase from last year. There was an 18% increase on attacks on new accounts, 17% attack on takeovers, and a 44% uh, piece on the payment fraud. So in conjunction with that, there's been four times as many complaints filed about cybersecurity with the uh, um, federal government with the FBI. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's very important that, uh, the, and especially on the uh, small, uh, small and mid-market uh, businesses, those enterprises are really uh, seeing the attacks because of the fact that they have the number of people working remotely. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to add on to that was that a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses think that it's not going to affect them or um, that they're not as vulnerable as the larger enterprises like Target and so on and so forth that have seen those breaches happen um, as of late. But they're even more vulnerable because the, how this works is not by... Um, specifically targeted ways, it is generalized, it's broad. And so everybody is at risk in equal amounts as are the larger organizations. Like, sure, you have some that are um, specifically targeted to larger organizations, but then you have those hackers that are, you know, they're just going to throw a blanket out there and whoever they catch, they catch. And the small and medium-sized businesses are the ones that fall victim to that because they don't have that lock and key that uh, we were talking about. Since you bring that up, I, an interesting piece to that is I was on a uh, webinar earlier this morning presented by Merrill and the, uh, the investment firm in, in conjunction with their banking group. And they were talking about the number of, um, and I'm sorry, you'll know the term better than I do, the, the uh, uh, black market um, website. Um, yeah, the dark web. The dark web. Mm -hmm. was talking about actually the number of lists that are there for uh, words, common words that are used that a lot of people will use for their passwords and such, and how easy it is to actually get in to use those types of um, uh, scripts and such to uh, you know, break into your computer and hack into your systems. 
Oh, yeah. And then the second that they have a password that you were using, and typically people tend to use the same password in multiple places, that's it. They've got that. And you can't go back and use that again because they've got it. So it's in a list somewhere. And it may be two or three or even five years before they try that old password, but they will. And if you go back and say after a year of being hacked that – it, it should be safe now to use this favorite password that I can remember. It, it's probably not, and we should move on from that. <laughs> right, and that is one of the recommendations, is to never use a redundancy on a password. Never use it more than one time in any of your, your list. In fact, as we're talking, we'll probably get into some of the uh, aspects of um, Things that, as from a training situation, U.S. Savino Tech would probably you know, be bringing out to your clients and prospects anyway, which are uh, using uh, um, password management pieces to uh, secure give, give you different passwords so that you're not uh, giving a consistent piece that someone might be able to discover to use to uh, uh, access your accounts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, not surprising to me that amongst COVID um, that those numbers have increased dramatically um, because a uh, something that is affecting everybody so much is definitely a way that these hackers can use in a psychological manner to attack people, um, especially when it comes to phishing campaigns and things like that. So what is the... Um, what is the insurance? What are the insurance companies doing um, because of that? Well, there's a lot of activity going on currently, trying to come up with standardized um, statements inside of the policies and regulations, so that there's a consistency. Uh, right now, their uh, different insurance carriers have a different way of phrasing it into their particular policy. And what we're finding is one of the better approaches to working with our clients is to talk with not only the clients themselves, but also their IT person so that we can get a, a full uh, picture of what their need is and what they're trying to accomplish. And then we use that wording then to go back in. Instead of, instead of taking a typical uh, cybersecurity policy and then matching it up to what other, other policies might be close to it, we're trying to turn that around and say, okay, this is what we understand you're trying to do. And then the, and then we go back in and look at policies and see which policy has the closest wording to what you're telling us you need done. So, you know, from a, from a cybersecurity issue piece, you've got typically in your, uh, your BOP or business owner program or your CGL, which is your comprehensive general liability, you do have some basic wording in there for uh, some minimal nominal cybersecurity coverages, but you typically also want to always add in a standalone cybersecurity policy. That standalone policy then needs to match into the wording that's in your other general liability policy or business owner's policy so that you can have uh, maximize your coverages in that in that manner. And so there's you know, many of those aspects where we need to you know, make sure that as closely as we can that we and you we have not only gotten you the coverage you've asked for or requested, but we've explained to you what you do have and what you don't have. So if you do have a loss, you already have an understanding of um, you know, what may happen at that point. See, and that's, that's something that is really good to know because 
there's I know that there's different policies that will cover different aspects, like whether it covers the labor to recover data or whether it will pay a ransomware um, amount and things like that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned phishing just a minute ago, you know, it, the whole new vocabulary of phishing, vishing, um, uh, spear phishing even was uh, one that I had not heard of before. Uh, swishing, and then and then we get into crypto, uh, crypto, which is cryptocurrency, but it's the theft of crypto, cryptocurrency, so cryptology, and then we get into um, uh, bricks. You know, I, I didn't understand what the what the brick was supposed to be about until uh, I was reading through the policy and went to go back in, and uh, it was referred to me by one of the underwriters. And so I had to go back in and ask him what the brick meant. <laughs> it's not Legos. <laughs> yeah, not Legos. It's a matter of a, a broad terminology for how you get blocked out of your computer, which looks like a brick. So if you're blocked out of your brick, you're blocked out of your computer, your, your iPad, or your uh, cell phone. Yeah. And typically that comes with data loss. Yes. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's, uh, so, you know, typically when you're think, thinking of the, uh, of the cyber attack, you're thinking about losing data, but there's so much other that goes into just that loss of that data is, can you still access your computer? Have they damaged your computer in a method where, uh, you're going to have to buy a new computer, you're going to need new mm -hmm. hardware, new software, uh, situations. How do you cover those and to make sure that your policy either covers it or you understand what your options were to cover or not cover it. Yeah, and to, to continue that thread, it's not just the hardware or software uh, or even the data loss, but then also the time loss that goes into that um, because you're not able to work. Right. So um, those are all things that for sure are, need to be looked at uh, when it comes to a policy. And if you don't know the questions to ask, then you need two experts, both your insurance um, agent and your IT uh, expert in order to help you understand how both of these aspects will come together and protect you. Right. So you, you know, typically on a, a cybersecurity policy, you're going to have business interruption. You're going to have uh, extra expenses, uh, which are going to be needed to bring somebody else in possibly to help you recover the data that you've lost. Uh, you've got the, of course, the digital data recovery, uh, any network extortion, any third-party insuring agreements, which you may be needing. We've got a client now that does a lot of uh, digital work, and even though they are very secure in their networks or such, their clients require them to have particular coverages in, in certain liability limits to be able to do work with them. So then you have network security liability. Uh, electronic, social, and printed media media liability. So there, there's all sorts of different ones that if you haven't, you know, gone, if you have a cybersecurity policy and you haven't gone in to read it, you might want to take time to do that. Ooh, good advice right there, uh, for sure. So has it become less or more important as um, companies transition into the, and I'm doing this in quotations, the, the new normal, um, the new remote way of working, uh, that kind of thing, especially for small businesses. Um, does it change the risk level? Obviously, I know that it changes the risk level, but when it comes to the insurance itself, does that become more expensive or uh, what 
do they have to look out for in terms of remote working and that kind of thing? The if the if your systems are in place, and that's one of the things that the um, insurance carrier is going to ask is what type of systems you're utilizing currently for protection. And they're going to make recommendations. They're going to make their premium based off of you know what your information you're supplying them. So yeah, so working remotely from home, uh, very important that you have your training classes set up, that you have your implementation of uh, different procedures to protect the um, integrity of the of the uh, transmission and of uh, just the actual usage in uh, your laptop or desktop that you're using at that point. And again, I point out that somebody like Sabino Tech is gonna be the one that's going to be able to come in and help set up those standards and such. And then having that type of IT interaction with what you're doing will also then help with to us in conveying that to an underwriter to minimize premium as much as possible. You know, excuse me, some of the things that are the, that, you know, some people may not think of is when you're working from home, what router are you using from the house? Are you using the default passwords from that router? And, you know, have you not gone in and changed it to uh, specific passwords and such so that you're totally protected? Uh, have you, are you using a guest password network so that if you have family come over, they're not just logging into that same one that you're also using for your company network? Oh, yeah. That piece. So, you know, and then you have strange things like, uh, uh, is it Ringtone, the new uh, doorbell, this video cam that, you know, that has that one. Mm -hmm. They've had their problems with uh, uh, passwords and such. Excuse me, and that one needs to be reset and defaulted, you know, from, away from the default. Uh, your home thermostat is your home thermostat set up. It is, so it's those types of things that you're, you're, uh, that are integral for protecting, uh, of course, everything as you know, but then also from my standpoint of how I convey that back to an underwriter so that uh, we show that the competency piece has been set up with the company and their IT people. See, and, and that's a good point because it's not just you, the business owner in your home, but also your employees and right. their homes and how is their networks protected and things like that. So those are all things that we have tried to um, make sure that our clients understand when they are making the choice of just continuing to work remotely um, indefinitely as opposed to going back to the office. Right. Um, so that that's definitely good to know. Um, so what are some of the most important requirements to make sure that you are covered? We've touched on some already, um, but if we could, I would say, summarize them or bullet them that way people know exactly. Like they can make a check a checklist and, and go down. Okay, I've got that. I've got that. Um, well, again, you know, uh, typically you're going to have some coverages that are built into your basic uh, business owner's policy or, or uh, comprehensive general liability policy. So go take uh, a look at that, people. <laughs> and then your cybersecurity policy. Now, you know, of course, the easiest one there is just to call your agent, see if they know what's in your policy. Now, supposedly they'll have an electronic version of it there, and they can pull it up and, and uh, review it with you also and point out uh, different pieces so that you're aware of what's going on there. But, yes, yeah, so uh, you definitely want 
to have business interruption. Uh, you know, one of the biggest business interruptions in which this, uh, I'm sure is still going on right now is uh, Gallagher International Insurance. Uh, they just got hacked uh, to on the 26th, I believe it was. And so they are, you know, they were, their servers were hacked. And so they were, they had, they were shut down um, ransomware. And so they were having to reboot international, everything international. So not only were they having to reboot everything at that point, they were also having then to contact the federal government to let them know uh, to the investment people uh, that, uh, what, that they were protected and how they were doing that. Uh, one of the, a smaller one, uh, though, was a uh, high school in, uh, I believe it was Las Vegas, where they got hit with a ransomware attack. They decided not to pay it. And conversely, the hacker published everything. Uh, the students' names, their date of birth, their social security numbers, even posted their grades. Now, yeah, I can have my date of birth published. I don't mind that one, but I know when I was in high school, grades were not one of them. <laughs> I'm there with you. <laughs> <laughs> So those are, you know, those are those really are a lot of basic coverages. But it, you know, depending on the complexity of what you're trying to achieve, you you, you really may want to talk. And, and again, I can't emphasize enough. It's, it it really makes good sense to put your IT people in with your social, your uh, insurance agent, so that they can talk about uh, that that you are buying appropriate coverages. That's that roundtable I was talking about at the very beginning. <laughs> your lawyer, your insurance agent, your IT expert, right. all of these people need to come together for you. Right. Um, oh, and your CPA. I cannot forget a CPA. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, if the babies, my CPA, are watching, they're going to go, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, shout out to the babies. <laughs> I like to do shout outs during my um, during my podcast and stuff just uh, for fun because sometimes names come out and it's like, hey, <laughs> hello there. Um, so what percentage of businesses um, or is there a percentage of businesses that end up not being covered um, even though they should have been, or um, is there a type of business that would need insurance, cybersecurity insurance in particular more than others? Um, in looking at that, when you asked me that question earlier, uh, for our, and I went back and tried to do a little research on that, and I could not find a percentage to it. What I did find was one that talked about the fact that 60% of um, small businesses um, small to mid-market businesses um, without cybersecurity uh, were going to be closed within six months if, you know, with, once the attack happened. So you know, that one speaks to me, the fact that why do you need the cybersecurity? That tells you right away um, you know, where you're coming from that. Uh, the mid-markets uh, really have been hit very hard during this pandemic because the hackers know that they, these are successful people that are able to continue what they are doing during the pandemic, even though they're now working from remotely, they may, may be more susceptible to uh, to the hacking. And mm -hmm. so we're seeing a you know large increase to it. So yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have a percent. Now, what I did do is when I Googled it, um, I got 13,600 hits. So obviously there's something going on for 13,000 hits for Google to say how many people have been hacked. Or what's the percentage? Oh yeah, yeah, right. and 
It's quite a bit for sure. So right. what what you're saying is that really times have changed. And so if you are in business and if you are using a machine of some sort to access the internet, you should look for ways to protect yourself. Right. Uh, and that's the, I think that's part of the reason why I started this podcast to begin with was it's important to realize that the way that we do business has changed. You know, maybe 10 years ago, it wasn't this big of a deal, but nowadays it, it is. And the way that um, th people attack you in the sense of vulnerabilities and so on and so forth, it, it has changed. And so if you are going to protect your business, you have to have you have to be proactive first. And then second, you have to have the right protections in place for the after, for the just in case, for the when it happens and that yeah. kind of thing. A recent quote that I uh, saw was, um, it's not a matter if you're going to be hacked, it's a matter of when. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So you, you, know, you can't expect it. Yeah, exactly. So have backups, people. <laughs> <laughs> And that, um, that is one of the pieces that you would be asked, you know, when we're doing a fact finder on the type of, you know, what your business needs are and such, and that the underwriters are going to want to know what type of backup do you have? You know, are you utilizing that uh, some type of redundancy so that uh, you can, um, if you did have uh, an episode, you could go back and recover data, you know, and what, what how deep is that? Good. And that's something that should be tested frequently. I mean, daily, because if it's one thing to have a backup that says check, it's good. And it's a whole other to know that it can actually be um, recovered and that you can actually use it and it be healthy data, because those are two different things. Right. And often mistaken. <laughs> um, so let's talk about... Um, some of the reasons that businesses might decide to forego cyber liability. Well, from a you know, from a small you know, mid market, we see a, a lot of people. We, we very seldom see somebody in mid market. Um, when you know, mostly what we work in is small to mid market, and small to mid market is going to be a one or two person office up to several hundred. So, from you know, from our standpoint, uh, a lot of the mid market people do have some type of cybersecurity. And such from the small market, though, that's where we would start running into problems because of the excuses are cash flow is limited, so they you know they, they don't have the funds, they're not they don't see cybersecurity as a risk. Uh, it can't happen to me, our business is too small. Who would want to hack us? I don't have any data anybody wants. Uh, then you get into some uh, uh, more comprehensive pieces, which are they really don't just don't they lack the understanding of what's what the coverage is and what it's for. Uh, they lack an agent who is uh, competent on cybersecurity and hasn't brought up the need or the uh, reasoning for it and how, and how to go about um, you know, taking care of that issue for them in a method that's affordable. So that's really some, some of it. Um, again, you know, said, uh, I'll go back to the study that says that 60% of small businesses you know, will close after, some, after six months after experiencing a cyber attack without having any cybersecurity insurance. Oh, and that's such a large number. When you add that to the already, um, you know, numbers of 
the general statistics of small businesses that end up closing after the first year, second year, third year of business, and so on and so such. Right. That's it's heartbreaking. Um, well, well, this has been a great conversation so far, and I think we've had a lot of information um, that we all need to soak in. So, um, and I'm stuck on that 60% of businesses will go under, um, and because they can't, either they can't be without the time or they can't be without the equipment or they can't be without the um, the funds in order to continue. Um, and so things that are affected by this, that your insurance policy may not be able to cover, or maybe, you tell me, are uh, your reputation. You know, if your data is breached and um, you're, information is out there kind of like that high school that you were talking about what are the likelihoods that your clients or prospects are going to trust you uh, so does insurance cover reputation loss anything like that no, not from that particular standpoint uh, it will protect you from uh, the your reputation in the fact and that goes back to the third party piece where in, in, under a third-party piece, with your you're supplying that person with proof that you do carry that insurance, and so that really is where you're more so protecting yourself from the, from a reputation. Now, uh, from a media standpoint, there's a little bit of difference there. Uh, you do have a media uh, coverage uh, piece that are in most policies that will talk about uh, if, you know, if you're hacked and how that media piece comes in. Uh, because of the wording of the different policies, that's one of those where I would suggest you go back to your agent, though and get some precise understanding of the policy that you have so that you understand that. Because I can give you a blanket statement, but it, it, that blanket statement is going to vary between six or eight or 10 or all the different insurance carriers. And that's where we first started talking about one of the things that's happening in the, in the industry right now is trying to establish a, self, a uh, set guidelines and regulations of, of uh, uh, systematic wording between policies. Mm. And that's an interesting piece because um, it's no different than the governmental um, policies that are in place, like HIPAA, like GLBA, um, and other regulations, as well as industry regulations uh, like ISO 9000, 9001, so on and so forth, that are trying to standardize um, the technology industry in, in a sense because of how much and how often it's used now. Um, so that same language is being transferred over uh, to things like insurance now, uh, because there are some things that should be very basic in, in coverage and in uh, proactiveness when it comes to protecting your, your technology. So what do you know what some of those standards are or can you give us a little hint on that or is it still being worked on? That's still a working process. And okay. so that's really, you know, from my from my level, it's it's not you know, hasn't come down to me. What we get to do is to uh, give uh, feedback into the rules and regulations and how they should be promulgated. But this is not set up by the federal government or anything to do this. This is an independent uh, group 
that is collecting this type of data to put it together to, and in fact, it, it's a, uh, a specific insurance carrier who is doing this, trying to get the wording in so that it's, uh, it's between all policies that they are offering out, which they're a brokerage, international brokerage uh, office. They work with brokers and clients that they can then assimilate the language, uh, much as I'm talking about where they, you, you talk with client and IT people, even if you need to with the attorney so that you can uh, put together the insurance package for them that best covers them in, in the event of a, a major attack. Now, again, most of the time, those are the larger companies, the Gallagher insurance companies, the banks, um, you know, those types of people. So it's a, it's still just a working process at this point. Well, that's good to know. I think as as an IT professional, for for me, sometimes I'm incredibly bothered that our own industry isn't uh, regulated or that has standards in certain ways. Um, so if there are other agencies that are putting in standards, that means that those are going to be standards that will be um, utilized across the board. And so for us, we try to follow the same standards as HIPAA compliance and apply that to all of our clients just because it's a good idea. Uh, so I totally love the fact that that's happening within the insurance uh, community as well. So that's that's awesome. Um, and I guess you don't have secrets to tell us when it comes to those standards. <laughs> no, really, it's just that, you know, we, we talk about the differences we see in wording and policies and such so that, you know, they can you know, put together an overview study to, you know, publish back out to the insurance carriers to, to talk about that. So we can see, see that, uh, you know, because it, again, one of the things that happens is that a insurance agent will take a particular policy that they like, and then they'll compare other policies to that mm. one policy, where really what they should be doing is talking with the client, gathering their information, and then using that information to look, look across all policies to see how any of the policies most closely match up to what your uh, insured or prospect wants to do. And I think that makes more sense just because every business is different and their needs are different and how they use their technology is different. So their vulnerabilities and their liabilities are going to be different. Right. Yeah. Agreed. So, you know, one of the things, you know, to come back to is, is that roundtable discussion piece. And, you know, one of the important people there is uh, Sabino Technology. <laughs> well, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are some losses? And I think maybe we touched on this, but just to kind of uh, get back to that conversation of um, trying to have um, just spell things out. Uh, what are some of the losses outside of technology that cyber liability will cover? I know we talked about reputational coverage in the sense of uh, PR or uh, media. And so are there any other benefits that business owners might be able to say like, you know what, that because of that, it will be worth it to me if, if technology isn't the reason. <laughs> well, uh, of course, you know, the loss of your software, damage to the software, uh, damage to hardware, damage to just the computer, uh, the loss of the use of that particular device, totally. So it's not just a business interruption or, or a method of uh, going back in to collect 
lost data to re recover that data, to re recreate it. It's the actual loss of use of that data. Um, total system failure. You know, uh, there, you know, if you're depends on what your exposure there is, you need to talk about it and see what uh, what happened if you lost your entire system. Uh, again, the crypto jacking, which is uh, you know, the you know, with cryptocurrency becoming a, a, a big player, uh, crypto jacking is another piece that uh, you want to make sure that you know, if that's part of your business uh, performance that you're looking into that. And then uh, just to, to be sure that on the uh, um, from bricking that you understand uh, what could happen at that point from uh, the, the de definition of bricking. You know, and then from there, um, it, a lot of what we're talking about here is uh, can be covered in insurance policy. But it, again, I'm going to go back in and you know, toot your horn in that a lot of this has to do with the uh, training piece to ever to stop it from getting to that point. So training the you know, the employees and the business owners themselves on uh, how to implement procedures and put in firewalls, um, uh, complex passwords, um, and mm -hmm. such, so that they you know, hopefully stop it before it happens. Yeah, and when it comes to the um, educational piece, the training piece, there's. Um, it's something that we provide for our clients uh, with our service, but if your IT provider does not provide it, that's fine. There are plenty of services out there that you can go and get yourself um, so that you can at least have some sort of training for you and, and your employees, because if not, then that's, again, that's not going to help you. Um, and as IT professionals, there's only so much that we can do uh, on our end. You know, we can put all the locks in the in the right places and so on and so forth. But there's the other piece of that, which is the user side. Um, so if if you open the door, if you give it away your password, those those are things that we can't control or help with. So the training is there for that uh, so that you at least know what you're looking for, what to avoid and so on and so forth. So is that something that um, insurance gives a discount for? <laughs> I'm trying to save people money too. <laughs> it's, it's, I wouldn't. I can't say that it's a discount, but it is something that comes into the underwriting factor. So the more the more uh, technical information we have in um, describing the operation and what they're trying to do to the underwriter, the better premium outcome I can come up with. So I won't oh, say wow. it's a discount, but I also you know, would say it's it's Without those, they're going to charge more premium than less without those pieces in, in place. That makes sense. Um, can you make a suggestion to the insurance companies? <laughs> Tell them, <laughs> just like the car, the um, auto insurance, you know, like those discounts for um, safe driving and so on and so forth. <laughs> we need that for the cyber liability side. <laughs> well, and, and we do, again, we do have those. Because that's that is part of, you know our fact finder you know asks for particular pieces, so the um, the underwriter the insurance carrier will actually go to your website and they're going to check your website out. You're going to have your little lock on your URL so that they can see it's secure. We're going to be one of the first questions. They're going to go peruse through your website to see what types of protections are there. Uh, do you have uh, is it captcha? Is it uh, mm -hmm. Capture piece for your uh, incoming email and such. 
Have you got something that set up so that you can, you know, uh, filter out some of the spam pieces mm -hmm. uh, that come in? Because I know, I know from my side that um, the in, in speaking with our provider, uh, server provider, that if we get hit with too many of the uh, spam pieces, that they will actually shut us down. So yeah, we have oh, these. Yeah. We have to put in place to, you know, just block spam coming in. Yeah, and the little lock on the website, um, for those of you that don't know, it's an SSL certificate, which can be purchased through your either your domain provider um, or your website provider. Um, and of course, your IT can also help you with that as well. So it's, it's a pretty simple tool, security tool that can be added. Um, and it's at a minimal cost, usually on an annual basis. So a, a tip right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, any any last thoughts? Uh, any advice for business owners out there? Um, if, if you're really if you're a small business, you should at least go get a pricing for it. You know, if, even if your cash flow, you think your cash flow is, is uh, limited, and so you should still research it. Yeah. If you bought a, a cybersecurity policy three or four years ago and you've just been renewing it all this time, you need to have your agent shop it and just to make sure that you've got something competent on the market, maybe even save you some money. It may be, you know, it may be that you're already working with Sabino Tech and you started that after you bought your cybersecurity. And so by the fact that you now let them know you've got competent people behind sitting behind you to do this can help you uh, save some money on premium with either your current carrier or new carrier. Perfect. That is great advice. Um, I love that. Thank you so much, Travis. And um, again, I will add all the information to um, be able to reach Travis uh, in the comments of the video and the podcast. If you have any questions about insurance, want him to shop one out for you, reach out to him. Um, and or if you want a second opinion, I'm sure he's happy to give that as well. Right, Travis? Absolutely. We can do, we can do <laughs> consulting also. We awesome. Or we can do consulting, whichever one you'd like us to do. <laughs> Great. Um, well, Nathan, and thank you so much. I really appreciated you, you know, having me on today. and I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Travis. Um, one last thing, um, and I have had this question brewing since you said 47 years in the industry before we let you go. Yeah. What is the craziest story <laughs> in your 47 years of um, being in the insurance agency that you can share with us? That, so that keep the ones that, that you can't share. <laughs> we'll talk was, about those later. Be, that was going to be the issue with the last one with, with, where my two best stories are not shareable. Um, <laughs> um, gosh. Um, I'm, you know, I've been very, I've been very lucky over the years that I've been in the insurance business that um and that's actually one of the things that I tout is when somebody's asking me something like that, is that, um, you know, from everything we've ever done, uh, we seem to have done well because we've never had any really outrageous claim or problem piece to it. Um, if you can hear that, I'm knocking on wood for Travis. <laughs> you know, you've kind of you've you've got me on that one because, I, like I said, the only two that I've got that are, are really are memorable, I just, I, I, it would 
be inappropriate. We'll talk about those later. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you when we're off here. <laughs> well, good. I, I have a crazy story before we let go of a client who, uh, before they were a client, um, they were breached and their insurance um, was thankfully able to cover them and it was it ended up being six hundred thousand dollars in damages um and that did not include uh you know them uh, actually hiring us and and things like that so uh it was just purely the damage of the of the cyber attack so insurance for sure i would have to say is extremely helpful um and then they have been able to thankfully recover uh post that and so they're good now but that to me was a crazy story <laughs> well it, it, good for the insurance carrier and good for the for the client that uh you know was aware enough to purchase it yeah oh yeah well i don't know if if you were their insurance agent but now i want to go back and ask <laughs> <laughs> 47 years in the industry i'm sure that you are awesome at your job well i, I started when i was three. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's like my son, you know, <laughs> starting them out young. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks, Travis. Yes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for spending this time with me and my guest. I hope you were able to get some juicy, helpful tips or some nuggets that got you thinking. If you want to connect in between episodes, visit my website, nancysabino.com. Follow me at Nancy. Sabino SET on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and of course, Nancy Sabino on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. See you next time.